Chapter 8 of The Side of the Angels by Basil King. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter 8 Dressed for going out, Mrs. Willoughby was buttoning her gloves as she stood in the square hall hung with tapestries of a late Gobelin period, and adorned with a cabinet in the style of Moule, flanked by two decorative Regency chairs. Her gaze followed the action of her fingers, or wandered now and then inquiringly up the stairway. Her broad, low figure, wide about the hips, tapered towards the feet in lines suggested of a spinning top. She was proud of her feet, which were small and shapely, and approved of her fashion in skirts that permitted them to be displayed. Being less proud of her eyes, she also approved of a style of hat which allowed the low, sloping brim, worn slantways across the brows, to conceal one of them. "'You're surely not going in that rag?' The protest was called forth by Lois's appearance in a walking costume on the stairs. "'But, Mamma, I'm not going at all. I told you so.' "'Told me so? What's the good of telling me so?' "'There have been loads of men there, simply loads. Goodness me! Lois, if you're ever going to know any men at all—' "'I know all the men I want to know.' "'You don't know all the men you want to know, and if you do I should be ashamed to say it. The girl who's had all your advantages and doesn't make more show—' "'What on earth are you doing that you don't want to come?' Lois hesitated, but she was too frank for concealments. "'I'm going to see a girl Thor Masterman wants me to look after. "'He thinks I may be able to help her.' "'The mother subsided. "'Oh, well, if it's that,' she added, so as not to seem to hint too much, "'I always like you to do what you can toward uplift. "'I'll take you as far as the old village, if you're going that way.' There had been a time when such concessions at the mention of Thor Masterman would have irritated Lois more than any violence of opposition, but that time was passing. She could hardly complain if others saw what was daily becoming more patent to herself. She could complain of it the less, since she found it difficult to conceal her happiness. It was a happiness that softened the pangs of care, and removed to a distance the conditions incidental to her father's habits and impending financial ruin. Nevertheless, the conditions were there, and had to be confronted. She made, in fact, a timid effort to confront them as she sat beside her mother in the admirably fitted limousine. "'Mother, what are we going to do about Papa?' Mrs. Willoughby's indignant rising to the occasion could be felt like an electric wave. "'Do about him? Do about what?' "'About the way he is.' "'The way he is? What on earth are you talking about?' "'I mean, the way he comes home.' "'He comes home very tired, if that's what you're trying to say. "'Any man who works as they work him at that office.' "'Do you think it's work?' "'No, I don't think it's work. I call it slavery. "'It's enough to put a man in his grave. "'I've seen him come home so that he could hardly speak. "'And if you've done the same, you may know that he's simply tired enough to die.' "'Lois tried to come indirectly to her point by saying, "'Thor Masterman has been bringing him home lately.' "'Oh, well, I suppose Thor knows he doesn't lose anything by that move.' Lois ignored the remark to say, "'Thor seems worried.' The mother's alertness was that of a ruffled bellicose bird defending its mate. "'If Thor's worried about your father, he can spare himself the trouble. He can leave that to me. I'll take care of him. What he needs is rest. When everything is settled, I mean to take him away. Of course, we can't go this winter. If we could, we should go to Egypt.' he and I. But we can't. You know that. 
we make the sacrifice. These discreet allusions, too, Lois thought it best to let pass in silence. It wasn't altogether about Papa that Thor was worried. He seems anxious about money. Bessie tossed her head. That may easily be. If your father takes our money out of the firm, as he threatens to do, the masterman will be, well, I don't know where. The girl felt it right to go a step further. He seemed to hint, he didn't say it in so many words, that perhaps Papa wouldn't have so very much to take out. This was dismissed lightly. Then he doesn't know what he's talking about. Archie's frightfully close in these things, I must say. He's never let either of the boys know anything about the business. He won't even let me. But your father knows. If Thor thinks for a minute the money isn't nearly all ours, he may come in for a rude awakening. Reassured by this firmness of tone, Lois began to take heart. Getting out of the old village, she continued her way on foot, and found Rosie among the azaleas and poinsettias. Thor Masterman met her an hour later, as she returned homeward. He knew where she had been as soon as he saw her turn the corner at which the road descends the hill, recognising with a curious pang her promptness in carrying out his errand. The pang was a surprise to him, the beginning of a series of revelations on the subject of himself. Her desire to please him had never before this instant caused him anything but satisfaction. It had been but the response to his desire to please her. He had not been blind to the goal to which this mutual goodwill would lead them, but he had quite made up his mind that she would make him as good a wife as any one. As a preliminary to marriage, he had weighed the possibility of falling ardently in love, coming at last to the conclusion that he was not susceptible to that passion. His long-standing intention to marry Lois Willoughby was based on the fact that besides being sympathetic to him, she was plain and lonely. If the motive hadn't taken full possession of his heart, it was because the state of being plain and lonely had never seemed to him the worst of calamities by any means. The worst of calamities, that for which no patience was sufficient, that for which there was no excuse, that which kings, presidents, emperors, parliaments, congresses, embassies and armies should combine their energies to prevent, was to be poor. He was entirely of Mrs. Fay's opinion that with money ill-health and unhappiness were details. You could bear them both. You could bear being lonely. You could bear being plain. Consequently, the menace that now threatened Lois Willoughby's fortunes strengthened her claim on him. But all at once he felt, as he saw her descend the hill, that the claim might make complications. Was it because she was plain? Curious that he had never attached importance to that fact before. But it blinded him now to her graceful carriage, as well as to the way she had of holding her head with a noble, independent poise that made her a woman of distinction. She was smiling with an air at once intimate and triumphant. I think I've won the first encounter, at any rate. In his wincing, there was the surprise of a man who in a moment of expansion had made a sacred confidence, only to find it crop up lightly in subsequent conversation. He was obliged to employ some self-control in order to say, with a manner sufficiently off-hand, "'What happened?' She told of making her approaches under the plea of buying potted plants. Her cold reception had given way before her persistent friendliness, while there had been complete capitulation on the tender of an invitation to County Street to tea. 
the visit had been difficult to manage, but amusing, and a little pitiful. To the details that were difficult or pitiful he could listen with calm, but he was inwardly indignant that Lois should find anything in her meeting with Rosie that lent itself to humour. He knew that humour. The superior were fond of indulging in it at the expense of the less fortunate. Even Lois Willoughby had not escaped that taint of class. Fearing to wound her by some impatient word, he made zeal in his round of duties the excuse for an abrupt good-bye. But zeal in his round of duties changed to zeal of another kind, as with set face and long swinging stride he hurried up the hill. The plans he had been maturing for the psychological treatment of Mrs. Fay melted into eagerness to know how the poor little thing had taken Lois's advances. He was disappointed, therefore, that Rosie should receive him coldly. Within twenty-four hours his imagination had created between them something with the flavour of a friendship. He had been thinking of her so incessantly that it was disconcerting to perceive that apparently she had not been thinking of him at all. He was the doctor to her, and no more. She continued to direct Antonio, the Italian, who was opening a crate of closely packed azalea plants, while she discussed the effect of his sedative on her mother. Her manner was dry and businesslike, her replies to his questions brief and to the point. But, professional duty being done, he endeavoured to raise the personal issue. "'What did you mean yesterday when you said that you couldn't play fair, but that you'd play as fair as you could?' She turned from her contemplation of the stooping Antonio's back. "'Did I say that?' He hardly heeded the question and the pleasure he got from this glimpse of her green eyes. "'You said that, or something very much like it.' His uncertainty gave her the chance to correct that which, in the light of Claude's warning, might prove to have been an indiscretion. "'I'm sure I can't imagine you must have misunderstood me.' He pursued the topic not because he cared, but in order to make her look at him again. "'Oh, no, I didn't. Don't you remember? It was after you said that there was one thing that might happen.' She was sure of her indiscretion now. He might even be setting a snare for her. Dr. Sim Masterman might have withdrawn from her mother's case in order to put the one brother on the other's tracks. If Claude was right in his suspicions, there was reasonable ground for alarm. She said with assumed indifference. Oh, that, that was nothing, just a fancy. He still talked, for the sake of talking, attaching no importance to her replies. Was it a fancy when you said that I would be one of the people opposed to it, if it happened? Well, yes, but you only be one among a lot. She shifted to firmer ground. "'I wasn't thinking of you in particular, or of anyone in particular.' "'Were you thinking of anything in particular?' The question threw her back on straight denial. "'No, no, not exactly. Just a fancy.' "'But I shouldn't be opposed to it, whatever it is, if it was to your advantage.' His persistence deepened her distrust. A man whom she had seen only once before would hardly display such an interest in her and her affairs unless he had a motive, especially when that man was a masterman. She took refuge in her task with the azaleas. No, no, not there, Tantilly. Put, put, put them there, like this. I'll show you. The necessity for giving Antonio practical demonstration taking her to the other side of the hothouse, Thor felt himself obliged to go. He went with the greater regret since he had been unable to sound her on the subject of Lois Willoughby's advances, though her skill in eluding him 
heightened his respect. His disdain for the small arts of coquetry being as sincere as his scorn of snobbery, he counted it to her credit that she eluded him at all. There would be plenty of opportunities for speech with her. During them he hoped to win her confidence by degrees. In the bedroom upstairs, where the mother was again seated in her upholstered armchair with the quilt across her knees, he endeavoured to put into practice his idea of mental therapeutics. He began by speaking of Matt, using the terms that would most effectively challenge her attention. "'When he comes back, you know, we must make him forget that he's ever worn stripes.' She eyed him sternly. "'What'll be the good of his forgetting it? He'll have done it just the same.' "'Some of us have done worse than that, and yet—' "'And yet we didn't get into coal-call for them. But that's what counts. You can do what you like as long as you ain't put in jail. Look at your father.' "'So when he comes home—' he interrupted craftily. She leaned forward, throwing the quilt from her knees. "'See here,' she asked confidentially. "'How would you feel if you saw your son coming out of hell?' "'How should I feel? I should be glad he was coming up instead of going down. You would, too, wouldn't you? And now that he's coming up, we must keep him up. That's the point. So many poor chaps that have been in his position feel that because they've once been down, they've got to stay down. We must make him see that he's come back among friends, and you must tell us what to do. You must give your mind to it and think it out. He's your boy, so it's your duty to take the lead.' Her cold eye rested on him as if she were giving his words consideration. "'Why don't you ask your father to take the lead? He sent him to Colcord.' They got no further than this during the hour he spent with her, seeing that Uncle Sim had been right in describing the case as one for ingenuity, and something more. Questioning himself as to what this something more could be, he brought up the subject tentatively with Jasper Fay, whom he met on leaving the house. Thor himself stood on the doorstep, while Fay, who wore gardening overalls, confronted him from the withered grass plot that ended in a leafless hedge of bridal veil. "'She's never been a religious woman at all, has she?' Fay answered with a distant smile. "'She did go in for religion at one time, sir, but I guess she found it slim diet. It got to seem to her like Thomas Carlyle's hungry lion invited to a feast of chicken-weed. After that she quit.' "'I had an idea that you belonged to the First Church "'and were Dr. Hillary's parishioners. "'Fay explained. "'Dr. Hillary married us, "'but we haven't troubled the Church much since. "'I never took any interest in the Christian religion to begin with. "'When I looked into it I found it even more fallacious than I supposed.' "'To account for this advanced position on the part of a simple market gardener, "'he added, "'I've been a good deal of a reader.' "'Thor spoke slowly.' and after meditation. It isn't so much a question of its being fallacious as of its capacity for producing results. Fay turned partially round towards the south, where a haze hung above the city. His tone was infused with a mild bitterness. Don't we see the results it can produce over there? That's right, too. Thor was so much in sympathy with this point of view that he hardly knew how to go on. And yet some of us doctors are beginning to suspect that there may be a power in Christianity, a, a purely psychological power, you understand, that hasn't been used for what it's worth. Fay nodded. 
He had been following this current of contemporary thought. "'Yes, Dr. Thor, so I hear. "'Just as I dare say you haven't found out all the uses of opium. "'Well, opium is good in its place, you know.' "'I suppose so.' "'He lifted his starry eyes with their mystic visionary rapture "'fully on the young physician. And "'Yet I remember how George Eliot prayed "'that when her troubles came she might get along "'without being drugged by that stuff, uh, "'meaning the Christian religion, sir.' "'and I guess I kind of like that me and mine should do the same.' Thor dropped the subject and went his way. As far as he had opinions of his own, they would have been similar to Fay's, had he not within a year or two heard of sufficiently authenticated cases in which sick spirits or disordered nerves had yielded to spiritual counsels after the doctor had had no success. He had been so little impressed with these instances that he might not have allowed his speculations with regard to Mrs. Fay to go beyond the fleeting thought, only for the fact that on passing through the square he met Reuben Hillary. In general he was content to touch his hat to the old gentleman and go on. But to-day, urged by an impulse too vague to take an accurate account of, he stopped with respectful greetings. "'I've just been to see an old parishioner of yours, sir,' he said when the preliminaries of neighbourly conversation had received their due. "'Have you now?' was the non-committal response, delivered with a North of Ireland intonation. Uh, "'Mrs. Fay, wife of Fay the gardener. I can't say she's ill,' Thor went on, feeling his way, "'but she's mentally upset.' He decided to plunge into the subject boldly, smiling with that mingling of frankness and perplexity which people found appealing because of its conscientiousness. "'And I've been wondering, Dr. Henry, if you couldn't help her.' "'Have you now? And what would you be wanting me to do?' Thor reflected as to the exact line to take, while the kindly eyes covered him with their shrewd, humorous twinkle. "'You see,' Thor tried to explain, "'that if she could get the idea that there's any other stand to take towards trouble than that of kicking against it, she might be in a fair way to get better.' At present she's like a prisoner who dashes his head against the stone wall, not seeing that there's a window by which he might make his escape. There was renewed twinkling in the merry eyes. But if there's a window, why don't you point it out to her? Thor grinned. Because, sir, I don't see it myself. Don't you, then? And how do you know it's there? Thor continued to grin. To be frank with you, sir, I don't believe it is there. "'But if you can make her believe it is—' "'That is, you want me to deceive the poor creature.' "'Oh, no, sir,' Thor protested. "'You wouldn't be deceiving her because you do believe it.' "'So that I'd only be deceiving her to the extent that I'm deceiving myself.' "'You're too many for me,' Thor laughed again, preparing to move on. "'I didn't know but that if you gave her what are called the consolations of religion—that's the right phrase, isn't it?' There is such a phrase. But you can't give people the consolations of religion. they got to find them for themselves. If they won't do that, there's no power in heaven or earth that can force consolation upon them. But religion undertakes to do something, doesn't it? The old man shook his head. Nothing whatever. No more than air undertakes that you shall breathe it, or water that you shall drink it, or fire that you should warm yourself at its blaze. Thor mused. When he spoke it was as if summing up the preceding remarks. 
"'So that you can't do anything, sir, for my friend Mrs. Fay?' "'Nothing whatever, me dear Thor, but help her to do something for herself.' "'Very well, sir. Will you try that?' "'Sure, I'll try it. I'm too proud of the word of God to thrust it where it isn't wanted. Margarita's antiparochos, if you're lucky enough for that. But when anyone asks for it as earnestly as you, me dear Thor—' Having won what he asked, Thor shook the old man's hand and thanked him, after which he hurried off to the garage to take out his runabout and bring Lois's father home from town. End of chapter 8